Now, her name is anglicized as Enya Patricia Brennan, but that's clearly not how this is pronounced because that looks like there's not enough vowels in that. As our guest, will you please tell me how you would pronounce that in your native leprechaun? Nihigamashkilga, August. Hang on. Echna poiginabuinoin. That's as good as it's going to get. Yeah. Remember, uh, schools in Ireland are closed, which means my brain is, <laughs> has shut off. <laughs> of course, it's Enya with Orinoco Flow. Perhaps, as some have suggested, the most important contributor to Irish culture uh, in all of Irish history. Which the woman is, that lives in a castle, never give a live concert and said three words live on Irish TV, has contributed to Irish culture. Bob Gallup on line one. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Happy St. Patrick's Day, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to episode 39 of The Brian Oak Show, which is being broadcast live, recorded live. Apparently, it's happening where I just took a little nap in the Smart Start (laughs) MN studios. I had a Cornish pasty, which apparently is Scottish, English, anything but Irish, right? But it's Celtic because it comes from Cornwall, which is part of our old Celtic nation. For real? Yes. Oh, well, well, then look at that. I was celebrating the day properly. How about onion gravy? Does that also come from the same region? That's French. <laughs> Don't get me started on the fucking French. My name is Brian Oak. Oh, my co-host and producer and business partner is Sean Bernard. We are both heavily Irish by extraction, but not as Irish as this evening's guest, uh, guest one, uh, Mr. John Cosgrove. How are you, Mr. Cosgrove? Bonnach tea Nepalic ditch, uh, as we say back home, when it's not cancelled which is Gaelic for Happy St. Patrick's Day. I have a long and uh, storied history with St. Patrick's Day here in the United States. I know you do. That I'm very proud of. Yep. I have spent most St. Patrick's Day mornings on the airwaves with men like you. I think out of the 15 that I've done, 13 of them were with you. You and I have spent many times on the air together just because, well, one, you're actually Irish, which always adds a level of credibility. And two, Minnesotans are suckers for an accent. I mean, be honest with me right now. How far has your accent carried you in your life in Minnesota? I will. I, it's so funny you bring that up. And I, was, I forgot about this story. But yesterday I was at a workshop on networking and how to break ice, break the ice with people that you haven't met. And lots of people get up and give lots of suggestions, you know, wear an interesting piece of jewelry, that's a conversational piece, or a comment on their hair, a comment on their clothes. And I just said, or you could just have an accent, and then you're all set. (laughs) (laughs) That's... But but to be fair, I've had some um, wonderful mentors in my life, no more so than Kieran Folliard, Mm -hmm. who always said, the accent will get your foot in the door, but you better have something behind it. Yeah, well, and you always have, and which is why I'm very happy to have you joining us on this particular episode to celebrate St. Patrick's Day. I want to talk about what St. Patrick's Day is going to look like this year due to the fact that apparently we're in a worldwide pandemic where, as I mentioned earlier, there are three of us in this room right now. Statistically, it's likely that one of us might not make it. And then I looked around, and I'm like, Oh, shit, it's me. <laughs> I'm, so at some point, it's just going to be called 
the show, since Brian Oak yeah. will no longer be the Memorial Brian Oak Show, something like that. But we're not there yet. Before we move forward, I do want to talk just briefly about the pandemic. Major sports organizations are shutting down. International travel has been curtailed. Um, I mean, pick it. Northern Italy has quarantined 16 million people. This is this is not a joke anymore. It's not like a, oh, there's that thing. Oh, the avian flu. It's for real now. And although the numbers are already starting to curve downward in China, where for all intents and purposes, this really sort of got its footing, it's just now starting to take root in the rest of the world. Massive music Concerts have been either postponed indefinitely or canceled completely, but it finally came home to roost. I actually am now feeling the economic crunch of the coronavirus because this past weekend I was supposed to be the MC of the music portion of the World Cup. Not that World Cup where a bunch of sweaty athletic guys kick around a ball for zillions of dollars, which, by the way, I did go see. There was a bar last week, and there was at a very popular bar where people go to see, speaking of Kieran Folliard, uh, where people go to watch their football matches, and it was so eerily quiet because it was like watching a practice. There literally wasn't one person wow. in the stands. Yeah, It was eerie. Those people are not normally quiet, but if they're not there, well, then... Well, it just, what it reinforces is that without uh, attendees, without an audience, n- nothing matters. It's certainly not the same event. They seem to be playing, but not with the same kind of intensity. And the announcer sounded more like a golf announcer, like, oh, that's quite a shot right there. They set up a beautiful I, I have refused to watch any uh, games that are played in empty stadiums well, because, it, because it was, there's no enjoyment. It was the first one I saw, and it, it could not have been more lackluster. Well, there was an event scheduled here called the World Cup, which was a cross-country ski event, which was going to welcome all kinds of... Because you think of Brian Oak when you think of cross-country skiers? no. Well, actually, yes. When I was a young man, I went to Cable, Wisconsin several times to the Telemark Lodge. When I grew up, I actually, I've never been on a pair of downhill skis in my life. I've cross-country skied a minimum of 1,000 times in my life. Wow. So you had abs back then? At least good calves. Yes. At, le- at least, abs is strong, but at least good calves. <laughs> um, the point was, the event was canceled, but there was the huge musical component that was going to happen in Theodore Worth Parkway, and for two days, I was going to be the MC on the musical stage. Well, all that shit got shut down, and yeah. that's, um, that's more money well, than I could afford to lose, I'm going to well, be honest. Well, you know, I'm... Obviously, in the events world as well, mm-hmm. uh, a couple of events in April have already been. They've said they're going to reschedule them. I don't know when they're going to reschedule them to. But colleagues who are in production, co- who own production companies, and you know, tens of hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of business just shut down because nobody wants to do. I heard just before I came here that in the UK they're talking about a mortgage vacation period. Wouldn't that be? a good positive reaction to what's going on. That would be a great idea. Right now, I really support the idea of a mortgage. I'm assuming it's what it sounds like, yes. where you get to take some time off from paying your mortgage or your bills. Without, because... any, without any repercussions. Huh. Well, here's the I thing. I just want to put it out there just in case there's somebody important listening, because sometimes there is, and they may catch it, and then somebody pokes it in somebody's ear. And think that it, it might be a possibly a decent idea. Wouldn't that be nice? Well, before we talk more about the fact that we're all going to die of some contagion, or that today <laughs> you are, it's going to be weird to see how St. Patrick's Day rolls out this year, because people are already just not going out to restaurants, all of that, but I, John is too, John Cosby of our guest this evening on the Brian Oak Show is too modest to ever ask for this himself. He feels like it won't feel genuine. 
he feels like it won't be something that adequately represents him. Oh, but I know this for is not going to be good. I know for a fact that if he had his heart of hearts, if he had his way of ways, that he would ask for this band to be played to introduce him to being part of episode 39 of The Brian Oak Show.
Shamrocks and shenanigans. Happy St. Patrick's Day, everyone. My name is Brian Oak of Irish Extraction. I mean, and to be honest, I'm not trying to cash in on anything there. My mom's maiden name is Collins. Her mom's maiden name is Ryan. Her mom's maiden name was O'Hara. I've got more than a little of the Emerald Isle rolling through my veins. And, um, you know, it's not going to get me into a university. It's not going to get me a scholarship anywhere because people apparently still hate the Irish. Uh, Sean Bernard, I know you feel the same way. I do. Yeah, about hating the Irish. No. Which is why jo- <laughs> I know that you have a lot of that blood rolling through you as well. But the guy who joins us on this particular episode, John Cosgrove, actually grew up in Ireland. So for people who do not know who John Cosgrove is, tell me where in Ireland you're from. I'm from a place called County Fermanagh, which most people haven't heard of. Uh, so think of Ireland, uh, Island of Ireland, a uh, third of the way down, right in the middle, little Fermanagh, little Lakeland County. It looks a lot like, from a landscape perspective, uh, like southern Minnesota, like Winona, Rolling Stone, uh, that sort of area, rolling bluffs and lots of lakes and fishing. Very rural. We got electricity in 1979. What? Just when the Boomtown Rats got to number one, that was significant. And um, What was the first number one record? Fine Art of Surfacing? Was that the record that went to number one? Do you remember? I was eight. So okay. I was at the I was at the end of that sort of era. I understand. I understand. All I cared was that Boomtown Rats kept Cliff Richard off the number one slot. <sighs> Why do we hate Cliff Richard so much? Ah, he's all the Jesus-y nonsense. And he's just <laughs> well, now Pe- he is. Back Peter, then he had a song called Devil Woman. Peter, Peter Pan, like, I'm so young and free <laughs> and whatever. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Oh. Anyway, so I'm from Fermanagh, which, which twice in my life here in the U.S., uh, I've said, you know, where are you from? Fermanagh, yeah, which part? Which has only happened to me twice. Recently, Saturday, uh, I was out. People, I love people who talk about, well, I was volunteering. I felt so good. Well, I didn't want to volunteer. My daughter made me go with her to some Girl Scout crap to pack food for children who needed food. So I went along anyway on Saturday morning. <laughs> that giant Irish heart right yes. there. And the lady behind me goes, oh, I like your accent. Is it, are you from Ireland? I go, yeah, from Ireland. What part? And I said, really? I said, Adrum C. She goes, oh, up near Clonus and, and Rosalie. And I'm like, Hang on, what do you know that I don't know? She goes, well, actually, I uh, I went to college in St. Mary's in Notre Dame, and we did an exchange program with Queen's University Belfast, and one of my best friends is a guy called Ocean Quinn. I go, Peterson, right? And she's like, yes, the GA guy. I'm like, so we had this big conversation about <laughs> mutual crazy. friends that we knew. But there is, and she also went to Maynooth uh, College as well, which is this, Maynooth is synonymous with the seminary, but quite a few people that I know here in the Twin Cities um, I've gone to Maynooth College. A shout out to Mark Conklin, whose record I lent you the last time. Now they're, he's so big, he doesn't even have time to talk about it. Uh, <laughs> so it's it's interesting. The other time was in a famous pub in San Diego called The Field. And it's named for one of the greatest Irish movies of all time. If you're looking for entertainment this weekend and you're in quarantine or you're in whiskey teen, um, <laughs> you regularly stick, stick on this movie, The Field, with... Uh, Richard Harris in the lead role. It's set uh, about 100 years ago, right after um, the famine and the Brits had kind of left Ireland. And uh, it's just glorious. So this pub in San Diego is named for it. And uh, there's lots of uh, little artifacts around the movie uh, in the pub. And this young lady said to me as I ordered a pint with my business partner, oh, geez, where are you from now, bye? And I go, I'm from Fermanagh. Yeah, but which part? And I said, Adram, see, up near Karani. I go, absolutely, 100%. 
in San Diego. But only twice in your... How long have you been here in the States? 21 years. Okay, so here's what's wonderful to me about Irish people. I've been to Ireland a couple times myself. I think a lot of people feel a sense of national pride, maybe even regional pride, maybe even apparently neighborhood pride, right? These things happen. The parish. Parish pride. There we are. And again, staying away from the troubles, you know, I don't really care about northern versus... Anybody from Ireland is is so, what is it that attaches you to your parish, your neighborhood? Nobody ever says, I'm from Ireland. They say, I'm from County Blank, you yes. know? And then, and then, should you be lucky enough to find someone that has any <laughs> fucking idea what you're talking about? Like, what part, what is it that, that define? like, why do people have such a, 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 just a fealty, a loyalty to the place they come from in well, Ireland? Well, I think there's a couple of reasons, and of course, I'm not a historian. I'm not a psychotherapist. Um, I, okay. just, I, I just, okay. I, I just, All right. I just divorce them. That's what I do. Uh. Um, <laughs> little dig there. I would say, <laughs> I would say, um, where you grow up, uh, you have a sense of pride. There's, there's organizations like the Gaelic Athletic Association where you play where you're from. So you're, you already instilled that sense of community. And of course, historically, going back thousands of years. Ireland was divided up into little sections and, and kingdoms almost, so you have a real sense of where you're from. Then you throw in British oppression and British invaders, and even more so, you've got to organize yourself against that and have your sense of identity. As soon as it's challenged, of course, you're going to have a more of a nationalistic pride. It's it's common in in many many cultures, but it's not just nationalistic. Like I mean, there will be people who are like I'm from County X, I'm yes. from County Y, yeah. and even though there's no one coming at you right now, there'll still be a little bit of rivalry Absolutely, there. Absolutely, hundred percent. About my county's better than your county. Oh, of course, bring it. I'm like I'm, I'm, I was at a, a an event a couple of weeks ago, and everybody pointed out the token Irish guy in the company. He was up in North Dakota, mm-hmm. and he's from County Kildare. And of course, right away I go, ah, oh, he's a bog man. Like I had a, I had a dig for him right away, and of course he responded, "Well, you're from Fermanagh. You're a culture. I mean, you're, you know, there's no culture in Fermanagh. So we have this tribalism that's just instilled within us, which I love. I just, you know, here I don't remember ever bragging that I was from Anoka County or that I lived in Coon Rapids. I was happy to hit the ground running the second I could get out of the North Suburban Cultural Corridor. I was happy to go, but I, I love that about it because you can't meet an Irish person without them making reference to the county they're from and. Counties, let's be diff- clear, are very different than they are here. Counties are, in some cases, massive. They are, or they're, they were instilled as areas that needed to be protected against other counties. Of course, hundreds of years ago, in, uh, in a war setting almost, now, of course, in a sporting setting, those those boundaries are still instilled in us to this day. So, you know, if, like my dad, who married a woman from another county, there was a little bit of a frown upon her for a little mm-hmm. while until they discovered what a wonderful human being she was. Well, but still, she's got a little bit of the stink of the other <laughs> county on her, doesn't she? <laughs> Unbelievable. So basically what you're telling me is, as with all Europeans, it basically comes down to soccer, once again. Uh, well, sport and history and uh, the Brits annoying us. Well, oh, well... Welcome to the club. I'm the Irish guy who somehow ended up with the British last name. So you, if you want to understand my internal conflict and my inability to find peace with myself, that's a big part that's of it. That's why you have onion gravy with a Cornish pasty. Oh, it's so good. I swear, if you had one bite of it, you'd <laughs> never open your giant Irish gob about it ever again. <laughs> Before we go any further on the Brian Oak Show, I do want to remind you that we have a couple of sponsors. One is none other than Sean Bernard supposedly an Irishman by extraction himself. Actually, look at the size of that noggin. 
you might be the only person in a five-block radius that has a bigger head than I do. <laughs> uh, it's like a prize-winning pumpkin at a county fair, just like mine is. In addition to having a, a freakish head and being a good guy and my business partner, Sean is also a realtor at 50th in France, the that office for Edina Realty. And here we are getting into, down especially with the warmer weather, the teeth of realty season. Has coronavirus changed anything for you? No, not yet. Knock on wood. I think people that were planning on moving are still going to move. and They just want more of like a bunker than a house, right? Exactly. Yeah, okay. Exactly. No, it hasn't changed anything yet, knock on wood, but who knows what will happen. I just had a listing go up today, 5215 10th Avenue South, mm-hmm. and then I have a, a rental uh, property, which I don't usually do a lot of rentals, but this one is magnificent uh, on Medicine Lake. And, um, I mean, literally it's got boat access, a hundred feet of shoreline and you're 15 minutes from downtown. So pretty cool setup with that one. A rental property with hundred feet of shoreline? Yes. On, on Medicine Lake. It's one of those where a really cool story. The grandfather moved there 60 years ago and like bought up this chunk of land and parceled, parceled it off to his family. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, in one case, my friend's parents passed away. So, the, you know, it's been vacant. So they decided to rent it out. I have a question uh, because I, I talked to a lot of expats who, like me at one time or another, married to Minnesotans who all seem to have cabins up north. My friend uh, Quinno, the Australian, said he married the only woman in Minnesota who was uh, as poor as the two guinea pigs they had as pets. Like they had no money. <laughs> like, do you are you guys married to uh, people who have cabins on the uh, my, somewhere my wife, on the lake? My wife came from Chicago. Uh, my parents, at one point in their retirement, when they were flush with all their retirement money, they got a brief place in Alexandria um, on Lake Darling. They decided it was too much of a pain in the ass to split their time yeah. between there and here when they were having grandkids. So I don't have regular access to that, but that's kind of an anomaly. I mean, a lot of people have access so to that. So to have here. a place in Medicine Lake 15 minutes from downtown is extraordinary. Well, that's the idea is that you don't have to go up to a cabin someplace. Uh, I, I've never had a cabin. We didn't never had that kind of money in our family, but I did have an aunt and uncle that had a cabin. It's always good to know somebody with I a cabin. I agree, 100%. Because they can't use it all the time. Same so. thing with dogs. Like, I like yeah. to have the same relationship with dogs <laughs> that grandparents have with grandkids. Wonderful to go play with them give them a little scritches underneath the collar, make friends. But then when it comes time to use a bread bag to scoop up five pounds of animal feces, then you hand them back over to their owners and we're done. It's the same thing with a cabin. You don't want to winterize a cabin, right? No. You don't want to be picking up crap around a cabin either. No, yeah. you don't. <laughs> I always think about the single people walking around the lake and just trying to meet people and, that was and they're carrying a huge bag of dog uh, crap. Oh, oh, you, just like a, a hot steamer, <laughs> exactly. like a, a blackjack full of animal turds. <laughs> How do people, before we lose the thread entirely here, <laughs> because this is not really what we're trying to promote here, Sean is a realtor. He's trustworthy. He's a good guy. He does his research. Research. He promotes local nonprofits. How do people get a hold of you? There's no way that we could have gotten away with this on Cities 97 or the current. Or even no. Cities 98. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 612 <laughs> uh, They can look for me on edinarealty.com. Remember, a portion of every sale goes to the Warming House, a nonprofit music venue, and uh, you get a membership for two for the entire year. John Cosgrove, so we know that you come from County Florida. Uh What was the name Vermont. of the county again? Fermanagh. Adam C. in County Fermanagh. How are you doing? Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm all right. Do, where they say, how are you doing the best? That's how they greet you. Is in it really? Fermanagh, in my part of Fermanagh. How are you doing the best? How how's doing your the form, best? right? Isn't so, how's your or form, how, Or how's the form? Or yeah. my favorite when I call my mom, well, 
<laughs> my mom doesn't say it that way, but having an Irish Catholic mother, I also get I get a very similar version of that. Just it's pronounced differently. Let me ask you this then. So I'm sure we've talked about this before. Then we'll get to St. Patrick's Day here at some point, I promise. Yeah. Um, what was the impetus for you coming to the U.S.? So um, my brother, uh, I had traveled quite a bit. I knew I didn't want to stay in Ireland because it felt like you had to follow a particular path. And what was that, was that path going to be for you if you didn't leave? Well, I was probably going to be in the hospitality industry. I worked in hotels and pubs and stuff. I drove a truck for a while. I sold insurance. I tried lots of different things. Just but wasn't I, your thing. I time to go. Felt, I felt like flatlined the entire time. I lived in Cape Town, South Africa for a couple of years and had a great time. Okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's not bury the lead. How do you end up in... I mean, again, South Africa, I know that Cape Town's a wonderful place, a huge metropolis. Yes, yes. It's literally the other side of planet Earth. How do you end up in Cape Town? Well, there was a girl... And ah. she was working at the hotel and she wanted to go home and see her daddy. And I'm like, oh, sure, I'll go too. So I went along and uh, ended up staying. Her name was Siobhan, which was a good, uh, not like as in Siobhan, your knickers, your mother's coming, as in Siobhan, the proper name. <laughs> and so it was great. See, that, that joke was lost on literally every single person who's going to listen to this podcast. <laughs> Is Siobhan spelled S-I-O-B-H-A-N? Well done. Thank you. Yes. Just, it sounds like, like Chevelle, yes. but I know that it's spelled well very done. differently. Thank well you. done. Yeah, and uh, so then I got a taste for it. And so a my taste for what? Traveling. Exactly. Traveling. I see. Traveling. I see. Oh, we thought you meant. Oh. Yeah, no. no. I got a taste for Siobhan. We're back, we're back, to, we're back, back to walking around the lake alone again. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, uh, and then my brother who had been traveling to the U.S., I really had no interest in the United States. I grew up with, Same. Uh, my grandmother had a bunch of sisters moved to Philadelphia in the 30s and 40s and 50s after marrying GIs, among others, had a million kids. They all had a million kids. My mother has 77 first cousins, and they all had kids, and they would come over. We had no idea who they were, but we knew how annoying they were because they'd be like, oh, my God, you guys don't have pizza? What's wrong with you? And we're like, what's wrong with us? So we'd have these little battle, like, America... We're not interested. Dukes of Hazzard. 77 first cousins? Yes, yes. Not extended. Yes, 77 yes, first cousins. Yes, yes, indeed. Like one of her sister, one of, one, like my grandma had eight kids. Her sister had 16 kids. Did you have anybody like Uncle Calm from Dairy Girls? That's what I want to know. Okay, so the funny story about Uncle Calm, because we're going off on so many tangents yes. here. I mean, there's I so many to go I off on. I hope this is a 15-hour Extended podcast. Not quite. Uh, we'll get back to Uncle Colin. <laughs> but we'll Colin. have you back. Okay. Um, Uncle Colin in a second. Um, anyway, so they come over. No interest in the U.S. My brother came to Minneapolis. He got a cheap flight from Philly. And he would come back and goes, you should go to Minneapolis. It's a pretty cool place. It's more Canadian than... So that kind of started, set me off on a track. And then there was a girl. And then I came. Then I meet Kieran. I fall in love with, with Kieran. Kieran. And uh, nobody for him. blames you with that. And for then, that man, he's a very charming end, dude. Ended up working for him for eight years, and I'm still here. Um, but back to Uncle Colum. My he grew up in the same the actor that plays him. His name's Kevin McAleer. He grew up in my mom's neighborhood. He was friends with my mom's brother growing up. And so when he started out doing stand up, he was acting like that. He would just get oh up and God. tell these drone meaningless tangential stories and my uncle went to see him I have to go and see this bollocks to see what kind of an idiot he is telling these stories <laughs> so he goes to see him and he comes home well how was he jeez I don't know what they were laughing at all he did was talk like he's talking in the pub and all of a sudden somebody uh, harnessed that and it's on Dairy Girls because no, that guy's you, everybody's uh, uncle when you used to do Nighthawks is, is it true that a lot I'm of hoping they'll play a little bit that, of them here that, we can edit this out of that Mickey out of you then as well yeah well, I don't know if a lot of people did, but certainly some people did. You know, like I think some people um, 
complained to RTE that it wasn't fair to have this simple country lad <laughs> up from the country and put him in those situations, and God love him, sure. You know, there, but for the grace of God. <laughs> well, just to uh, that point, yeah. just to that point, yeah. a couple of weeks ago, I had the idea, well, actually a year ago, I had an idea when my dad is visiting. My dad is even more drone than Uncle Colm. No offence, <laughs> Frank. He doesn't listen, so it doesn't matter. I don't think um, he'll probably hear He did hear introduce me to 1968 Fleetwood Mac and, um, and the Blues. So the I give Green him that. Era, yeah, yeah. Yes, and uh, another band called The Equals was another big uh, band that he introduced me to. Mm-hmm. Apart from that, um, he tells meaningless stories. He doesn't give you, <laughs> he doesn't give you any context. He just starts in and assumes you'll pick it up as you go. <laughs> he visited about a year and a half ago. I got tickets to Lindsay Buckingham and Christy McVie yeah. at the, I think the Northrop, got third row seats, flew him over. Here, Dad, this is my treat to you. You took me to my first concert, Fleetwood Mac 88. This is payback. And then the next we went to the pub and met up with a few friends and he just started one of these stories. Well, there was a boy there and he was out there in the lorry and he was driving far too fast. And my friends are looking at me going, what is this? Uh, except one friend said, you know, that was kind of entertaining. So a year later, I decided at open mic night at the Amsterdam in St. Paul mm-hmm. that I would replicate exactly what my dad did. I wouldn't introduce myself. I wouldn't give any context. I got up on stage and I said, there was a boy from Tidavnet. He lived up a long lane. And he had 10 gates up the lane. And he did that for exactly three minutes. And I got the reaction. Exactly what I wanted was... Precisely. Yeah. All right, now here's the deal. We're going to talk much more to Mr. Cosgrove. It is St. Patrick's Day, but you've also come up with some excellent musical suggestions. And what I like well, about you. this is, you know, there are, I think that like Scotland gets way more attention. Obviously, the UK and England get way more atten- get more attention, more recognition. There have been brilliant Irish bands throughout the years, but I think, I suppose much like any country from Europe, Americans are so far up their own ass that if you mention like, oh, what about this band? They'll be the the requisite hipsters who are like, well, of course I know who horse lips are, you know, yeah. like, but they don't really know who horse yeah. lips are. I, I yeah. can name two songs, and that's all I it's got. Probably a porn star they saw the week before online. Oh my goodness! Well, you have brought bands that I don't know anything about, so hopefully you've got a little bit more context for this for our first song before we go into it. So uh, this first one is Sultans of Ping FC, which is kind of a parody band. Sultans of Ping, obviously riffing on the Dire Straits yes, song, Sultans of Swing. Yes, and the antithesis of, of uh, Dire Straits. Well, so that means they're not very good musicians? Well, they are, but they're not boring. So, whoa! <laughs> and St. Patrick's Day is canceled. Coronavirus has now decided that St. Patrick's Day is You know, okay, if you're going to call it County for Ireland, then you're going to get a little bit of a dig back. I appreciate um, that. This song, this particular song, was a huge hit in Ireland. Of course, outside Ireland, it's hard to fathom. I, you know, I could come up with the Saw Doctors and some other bands, but this one was used by one Chris O'Dowd when he had his sort of semi-biographical show Moon Boy, which was on Hulu, which was on Sky at Home, and that's where most people will recognize it from. I played it for my 14-year-old son before I came over here tonight, and he goes, you can't play that. And I go, I'm gonna.
Mane. Where's me jumper? Where's me jumper? Where's me jumper? Where's me jumper? question is a jumper a sweater yes. is a jump is this a sweater well it is but it's a woolly sweater okay well that's fine like a big <laughs> one right yeah 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 no i mean yeah. I, that's fine don't, just, don't leave the house without your jumper okay well see i just you know a jumper here in this country is almost like uh like a ca- like an overalls except shorts yeah. version yeah. it's not a sweater at all here it, it has pants and straps well i thought my job here coming on st patrick's day as i did on cities 97 i know i remember current and many and, times and we can drop as many station names as we like well go ahead um, that shit's in the rearview mirror yes it is. for, me as, for yeah. me as well all right i'm not getting any calls put it that way <laughs> <laughs> i'm calling them and there's no responses yeah um my role is to, to sort of bring a little bit of culture uh, so mm. that if somebody goes, you know, they're out on St. Patrick's Day and they're brave enough, they'll go, where's me jumper? Then they'll be like, they'll have a reference. <laughs> but see, I can't believe I've never heard that song before. To me, that song is somewhere between, and that band, considering the era in particular, we're talking late 80s, early 90s, yes. right? They're somewhere between the exuberance of like Supergrass, but also sort of the almost surreal spoken word parody of like Art Brute. I, they, I've never heard that before, and it's going into the mix because, well, I think, let's be honest, Sean, you and I both asked ourselves on more than one occasion, where's me jumper? <laughs> where's me jumper? <laughs> where's me jumper? Well, where's you know, me? when you have Chris O'Dowd on this show, which undoubtedly you will, Love when he's to. here filming some generic, white, bland, privileged movie that he likes to make, <laughs> then you can bring this up, and he'll be so impressed. <laughs> 
Oh, Mr. Cosgrove, it is always lovely to see you again. Here we are in St. Patrick's Day. Let's get. To, I want to get to your next song soon because we made people wait a long time and listen to a lot of your boring Ireland stories before we got there. <laughs> um, I would like to get. I would like to get back to one more song shortly. But before we do. I think that people in this country, and don't get me wrong, you know, just because I'm Irish, it's sort of at least heavily Irish in heritage. It gives me an excuse to sort of claim, lay claim to this particular time of year. But there, Americans have proven that just about any proper excuse to go out and act like utter jackasses, they will take up on. And and so, you know, it's one thing for like people to go out and like, you know, you watch the parade. Obviously, the parades are kind of a big deal, right, over in, in Ireland. Yes. Um, yeah, or as my mother goes, no, they're not. Okay, fine. They're not so. Um, but when I see, hang on, I will. I will say this from a cultural standpoint. There's a reason St. Patrick's Day is in the middle of Lent. It's the best halftime show you'll ever experience. I've, I've heard that bit before, where it's like, well, there's a reason we put St. Patrick's Day smack dab in the middle of Lent. There's no fucking way we were making it a full forty days, which is brilliant. But also true. Um, and so, you know, in America, and I'm not against people having a good time, Mardi Gras, whatever. I mean, you can pick any number of cultural, so-called cultural festivals where people take it as an excuse to act like idiots and get shitty drunk, which is fine. We all like to do that. What is? What are the primary differences? Like, it's, it's really more of a solemn occasion in Ireland, right? Well, you know, unfortunately or fortunately, American culture infiltrates all aspects of society around the world, whether we like it or not. Did you know that the first, because I do trivia for a living as well, mm. The first U.S. TV show to be shown in mainland China because they had, you know, a plethora of choices. They picked Baywatch. So that tells you everything you need to know about. Oh, really? Yes. The very first one. The very first American show shown in mainland China was Baywatch. And don't get me wrong, tan people with significant attributes look great in red swimsuits. Yes. But we're not talking about a cultural contribution no, here. No, we're not. We're talking, anyway, yeah, okay, okay. So, so, like, for example, Halloween was a holiday that started in Ireland, Holy Evening, where, you know, ward off spirits and we would try to carve turnips. Try carving a turnip. Not say, easy. It used to be turnips <laughs> not, before it was pumpkins. Yes, I know that yeah, part. Yeah, not easy. And no. then it comes over here and it turns into Orange Fest and pumpkins and candy. In Ireland growing up, you would go around and you trick-or-treat and you get apples and nuts because it was celebrating the harvest. Bring it to America. How can we sugar this up and make money and then send it back? Now Halloween in Ireland looks nothing like it was when I was growing up. Same as St. Patrick's Day. Growing up, St. Patrick's Day was all about a couple of things. You get up in the morning, you go to Mass, and you celebrate the fact that this guy got rid of snakes and give you all the guilt and shame that would take you through the rest of your life by going to Mass. (laughs) Then when you're done with that, you'll go to the parade, which is, again, more reflective of an altar procession than it is of Mardi Gras. That's what I meant. It's a little more solemn and like and serious family, an event. And, and families get together and they have a nice meal and it's a break from Lent so kids eat as much candy as they can stuff their faces into and we have a couple of pints and it's solemn. Fast forward 20 years, Dublin's now like Mardi Gras. That's ridiculous. 30,000 yeah. Americans show up and it's party time. So it's completely different. Which is weird. I was going to say like, so when you were growing up, there weren't a lot of glittery green Short shorts Zero. and, and Zero. little uh, antenna that had shamrocks at the if end of was, them. If was, then I wouldn't have been questioning my sexuality until I was 16. <laughs> Which I didn't. Which again, I, and I'm really not trying to judge people. You go out there and do you. If, you know, I, 
I just I wish there was, and I know this is going to make me sound five hundred years old, you know. Other than like, oh hey, it's fun to put on this sparkly green top hat and go out and do shots until I literally can't uncross my eyes. That's fine, but I happen to believe in sort of the importance and the struggle of the Irish people. I'm not trying to say that I've been a victim. You were there more than me. I mean, so this county that you grew up in, give me the name one more time, Fermanagh, because I'm not going to spell it for me. F e r m a n. A-G-H. Forget about the G-H in the end. Fermana. Fermana. All right. I'll never remember That's that. That's okay. But, I, but now other people who listen will. How close were you, and I really do want to get to the next song, but how close were you growing up to the border of where the troubles happened? About a mile and a half. For real? Yes. Did you, I mean. So- I would see British Army helicopters landing in my back garden. In the garden behind the house, they would land there and soldiers would disperse with heavy artillery. Literally in your backyard? Literally in the backyard. And my mom's like, oh, there they are again. So my, my, my so the very first time I ever went to Ireland, this would have been, oh my goodness, 1999, I went by myself. But then a couple of years later, Sean, you and I were there together mm-hmm. uh, for that U2 show in 2005. And my wife came along and the very first, I mean, the, for weeks ahead of time, she's like, don't talk about the troubles. Do not talk <laughs> about the troubles. I'm like, okay, cool. Like, I'm, I'm not the ugly American. I'll be sensitive. We get there. The very first thing we decide to do as tourists is go to Kilmannan Jail. Uh, and we're in a cab for less than a minute and a half. And to the driver, she brings up the troubles. Yeah. After admonishing me for months not to bring up <laughs> well, the troubles. There is a reason that I have accepted every invitation you've graciously sent to me to be on any show and any format you've been on. Because I understand that you understand that there's more to it than shamrockery. Oh, despite, much more. Much, I mean, despite the House of Pain nonsense at the beginning. Well, let's not go too far. All right, let's not call it nonsense. It was very, <laughs> it, it was very enjoyable. But that I don't ever reduce the Irish people to that. The struggle is real, and and and, and not just a couple generations, centuries of the struggle and the occupation. And it's a little, uh, to be honest, it's a little frustrating when I talk to Irish Americans who dismiss. Uh, what they consider a liberal agenda of um, Ireland itself as we've progressed through uh, gay marriage and uh, reproductive rights and they're like, oh, they're they're being overrun by liberals. No, we've always been a liberal nation. We were just oppressed. And to come over to Irish America and admonish that is disingenuous. Well, I think it's also disingenuous to what I love is that I've met so many Irish people from Ireland or of Irish extraction who are very stout in their faith but they also believe more in their fellow humans than they do in dogma. Yes, right? and so, absolutely. And, and also what they believe, at least in my experience, the ones I enjoy being around anyway, is if you are deeply dogmatic and deeply traditional, you have a tendency, at least you know, in public, to keep it to yourself and let other people live as they will live. Now, behind closed doors or maybe over a pint, you'll talk some trash about somebody who's like, man, you heard about so-and-so. Yes. But, I, no, I, I, I've i Very loved... well done. I'm, I'm very impressed with your insight. Well, and it's not deep insight. It's just it's the, the Irish people that I have met that meant the most to me, yourself included, are people who, despite their deep-held beliefs, because to me, this is the whole difference. I believe, and we had to talk about this with, um, who do we talk about it with recently? Um, I said, oh, Malman. Mark Malman yeah. was on here. And I told him that I thought personal faith is crucial. Religion 
is not. It's a venom. It is a poison in the in the human history. And he told me to be careful, and so I had to put a finer point on it. There are religious people who are very, very good people. But once you start to tell other people how to live, how to how to conduct their lives, and I think maybe the reason that the Irish people have a unique aspect on this is because they've been a country that was occupied for hundreds and hundreds of years, and you suddenly realize, hmm, maybe it's not cool to tell other people how to do their shit. Maybe you mind your own business and let me live my life the way I'd like to live my life. So long as it doesn't harm you, maybe I get to do my own thing. Absolutely. And that's how I was raised, despite the fact that we grew up in a a very polarized society. Of course, I recognize what's going on in the U.S. right now right. And, and this polarizing and how politicians try to exploit that as much as possible. Well, that's uh, they're politicians. That's how they stay elected. Well, that, well of course. And, and unfortunately, uh, lives get lost over, uh, even here in the U.S., but especially in Ireland growing up. Um, but I was always raised, as long as what you're doing isn't harming somebody else, go after it. And then, you know, I go out and drink 15 pints and uh, try and find myself a good Protestant girl. I can't find her anywhere. <laughs> One who doesn't ask you what county you're from. His name is- I love that uh, the next song we're going to play sort of reflects on the era that I grew up in where he talks about um, what they used to do, what they got in trouble with, and, and how then it seems serious and now reflecting back like is, is sort of enlightening.
that old? <laughs> Three, two, one, and we're back. Hey, thanks for tuning in to episode 39 of the Brian Oaks Show. I was just picking um, John Cosgrove's brain about Dairy Girls, but bef- Dairy Girls. But before we get back to that, tell me the name of the artist and the song we just that heard. That was uh, Whipping Boy, When We Were Young, which, of course, is a coming of age song. Very, very parochial to Dublin and inner city, talking about drinking cider and perno and getting drunk and smashing windows and trying drugs and being scared of girls. All the things that we all experience, but in different ways. Well, we do. I mean, in all those things that you just said, trying drugs, being scared of girls, smashing windows, I did all those things when I was a kid, too. So it's not just because you're a bunch of freaking soccer hooligans over in Ireland. Is that right? Well, we are, but in a different way. (laughs) Hooligans with culture. And great accents, if I'm not wrong. Before we continue talking to tonight's guest, one Mr. Cosgrove. It's not Monsieur. What is the what's the sort of very Irish title? Your, your man. There's your man Oak. There's your man Bernard. <laughs> and here's your man Cosgrove. It's your man Cosgrove. And we'll check in with him again shortly after we talk about Smart Start MN. SmartStartMN.com is where you go to find out about them. They are the original Ignition Interlock Company here in Minnesota. Now, other pretenders have tried to move in, but let's be honest. Ed and Mike are both good dudes. They are both experienced, experienced lawyers. They're both music heads. There's a reason they've been affiliated with The Brian Oak Show from day one. Well, technically before day one. Yeah. We hadn't even had an episode in the can yet. And they're like, we're down. And I'm like, okay, cool. So what do they do? You get a DUI. Someone you know gets a DUI, a friend of a friend of a, anyone in your life you know who gets one, they've got an uphill battle in front of them. It is going to be difficult to get back into your vehicle, get your license back, get back on the road, get back to work, get back to doing the things that fill and occupy your everyday life. They help mitigate that by a much wider margin than you might guess. They can get you back into your vehicle so much. I, when I asked them, I threw out a couple ideas like, nope, sooner, nope, sooner. They won't let me talk about that or the price, but let's. They are good at this, and it's worth at least talking to them to find out what it is they offer, what it is they can do, because it is cheaper than you think, and it is sooner than you think, and if you haven't had a DUI before, you're like, well, I'm never going to be that stupid. It happens, and so you just you have to keep it in mind, smartstartmn.com. Like you said, they won't let us tell uh, them the price, but please reach out to them. Go to smartstartmn.com slash the Brian Oak Show, and just Ask them what the price is. They'll tell you over the phone. Yes. It's so much more affordable than not being able to go to work and get a paycheck, et cetera, et cetera. The reason they won't let us say the price is not because it's $10,000. No. It is so freaking cheap compared. I'm not saying that I've had a DUI, Sean. Hmm. But I'm saying that I've been very adjacent to someone who has had one. Hmm. And when I hear about the price and how quickly you can be back on the road, it's totally worthwhile. What way... We'll both tell Smart Start MN that you heard about them on this show, benefit this show, and benefit you and benefit Smart Start MN. Again, just go to smartstartmn.com slash the Brian Oak Show. You'll get 20% off the installation. And uh, you, if you don't want to do that or you don't remember what I just said, uh, go to the banner at brianoakshow.com. Mr. Cosgrove, I'm sorry, your man? Is that what it is? I share man Cosgrove. Ah, your man Cosgrove. Um, would <laughs> he's getting better? How does it? No, I'm not really. <laughs> no, no, that was pretty. I'm, I'm impressed. I'm, I've, I'm I've bad at some, accents. No. I've heard. Oh, some, some are so fucking bad. People trying to do everything. What accents. is Bacora? What's going on? What's going on? That sounds very familiar. I seem to have heard that before. Quick question before we get back to more music or anything sort of Irish adjacent. Well, this is Irish adjacent. So, you know, the 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 
stereotype is, oh, well, drunken Irishman, which, of course, none of us ever. would ever do anything like that. Well, ever. we're not going to post that picture of us sitting here drinking whiskey while we're making this show because that would just fulfill the stereotype of the fact that I went to the pub for a couple of pints with my old mate Quino before I came here to do the show because, you know, that's what we do. I did that in my best Irish accent. I don't mind telling you. What? My my main point was, so, you know, in this country, and I think rightly so, you shouldn't drink and drive. Feel free to get just upside down. Just if, drink if that's and ride. Thing. Don't drink and drive. Well, especially in this day and age of of Lyft and Uber, like, it's never been less expensive. And again, it can be a pain in the you know ass what? to come Riding back to your vehicle in the morning. Riding is more fun than driving. Oh, well, it also doesn't come with tens of thousands. <laughs> <laughs> he finally got it. <laughs> I guess I guess my my what I thought was a rather thoughtful cross cultural <laughs> question Sensitive. can now go to hell. I was going to ask what what do they do about drinking and driving in Ireland? Ooh. Like is it it's it's, it's it's absolutely unequivocally zero tolerance. Zero zero. Like, zero like, you tolerance. can't be a point oh two. You can't even no like, nothing sniff, whatsoever. You can't even sniff the head of a pint of Smithwick's if you're driving. But drivers get a lot of kudos. They don't drink. When I was even like. Going out 18, 19 years old, I was the designated driver, which meant I had to drive across the border, which meant that the the British soldiers took his gun in my head. But I'm sober, so I'm able to handle it, as all the lads in the car are drunk. Hang on. So at first I was just having a little fun here and trying to understand how it works. <laughs> but this is a different animal. Like, so for me... Well, you've watched Derry Girls with all that British Army yeah, activity yeah, yeah. going on? No, for sure I have. But what, what, what changes it for me, like when growing up here in the early to mid-80s and listening to all these, I'm an angry suburban teenage punk rocker and I'm mad about things, and then I listen to a band like Stiff Little Fingers, yes. I'm like... They grew up in the crucible of actual civil war. These people have a right to be fucking punk rock. They should be mad well, about the way things... you know what? Angry, I mean, feelings, wrong. angry feelings are angry feelings. But, but they had... I mean, they did also wear silky scarves they, along with their <laughs> punk rock outfits. So, you know, the universe seeks a balance. Their fingers weren't as stiff as they thought they were. Oh, my goodness. In any event... So, like, when you tell me this, like, that's not a joke. Like, most of us who are like, oh, man, I gotta get home from New Brighton. I hope I can make it. At no point did a soul soldier from an occupying country point a gun at my head was that really part of your teenage yes youth? it was and really or, or like if they if i if i answered back in the wrong tone we were all taken out of the car and made lie on the road in our underwear for like three hours absolutely no 100%. joke like that's no. a real story and, and like and yeah, absolutely because um it was a it was a i mean who knows what stories have come out of a, the iraq war and it's mm. the same. It's the same mentality. These people need to be taught. These ne- people need to be corralled, and they need to know who's in charge. And we refused. And like, I'm just Joe Schmo. I'm nobody, right? So imagine if I am involved in some sort of activity because they know if I am or not. They're just messing around with me. The guys who well, just are, to send a message. But I mean, there are guys who have spent the last week making Molotov cocktails or maybe something yes, worse in yes, the basement yes. because they're planning something soon. But they're they, paying oh. attention in chemistry class. Damn. Whereas the rest of us Damn. are trying to get out for a smoke outside. At no point am I making light of this, but it's just I think it's hard for most American listeners to realize. Even if you tried to tr- cross into the Canadian border, like, sorry, eh? you ain't got your ID. Yeah. No, that, that's it. Like, there's no laying on the street in your underwear for three hours. That's wild, man. So there's zero tolerance in Ireland, which I think is probably a good thing. Like, it is. It is. Um, so they've tried to be creative around it. There's lots of like 
we you know it's in the middle of nowhere where I grew up so they don't have Uber and Lyft so they've got different shout out to Jerry Connolly's taxi service because he probably doesn't get a shout out anywhere <laughs> but Jerry is a, Jerry made his living fair play to him he'd be there at 2-3 o'clock in the morning picking lads up outside the pub or outside the nightclub and bringing them home uh, because he knew who they were and this is part of the beauty of being part of a community so he would bring them home and you know he'd be like ah you can see me next week because they were too drunk to even find money never mind that so there was that sort of support system and so living in that sort of like environment with something that's going on right now with this pandemic and the madness mm-hmm. that's going on when you don't have a, a secure sense of the ground beneath you prepares you in a positive way in my mind for when something like this happens where you can look at it with intrigue rather than panic and for that i'm grateful well and there's probably should be a balance there so let me ask you this mr cosgrove before we go i do want to thank audioquip.com audioquip you know audio equipment whether you are giving a ted talk whether you are standing on a soapbox like john cosgrove on a corner (laughs) somewhere downtown with some sort of bizarre missive that you have to get out there whatever it is they can provide you with really professional sounding audio equipment like they've done here in the smart start mn studios they have provided us with Real, genuine audio equipment, which is why now 39 episodes in, it sounds like something you can actually listen to as opposed to something that was recorded inside a shoebox with an, an old school iPhone. I'm very, very fortunate that I get to host a weekly podcast that I haven't even mentioned yet called The Crafty Rogues, and it's on Apple and Spotify and all this because you're supposed to be on here to plug this stuff because you have way more listeners than I do. Mm, and I don't know if that's true. <laughs> well, we've I done appreciate enough. the compliment. Um, we, we host it every week at Brit's Pub on a Wednesday night at seven o'clock with equipment what we'll call mobile equipment it's stark how good this equipment is in here in your studio and then when we go to the actual score in our studio and record this is on the same level so kudos to you guys well and thank, thank you but again without audioquip.com we could not do it so thank you to nate and his entire staff they jumped on again before they heard one episode having when people have that kind of faith in you it's uh it's humbling man it's very humbling so you raced past that real quick before we get to the, towards the final end of this segment tell me about where it is people can find you where it is people can contact you where it is people can come and join you in public and tell me of course you're supposed to be able to plug it and we should have done it earlier but all i want to do is like i want to i want to hear about not just irish history i want to hear about young drunken Cosgrove's take on Irish history. That's really what I want to hear about. Well, you know, when somebody asks you, I want to know where to find you and I want to know where you are. None of that. My, no, accent, no, no. my accent goes up and goes, you'll never find me, Mr. Oak. Um, <laughs> and but, what, does that mean we're from Wales? What, is, what does that mean? Where are we now? It sounds like we're too far north Remember, right in there. Ireland, dialects change from the living room to the kitchen, not just from county to county. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right, so I didn't mean to put that fine a point on it. No, no, I was please being don't funny. Track, please, I know you were. Well, kind of. Don't track, don't track Mr. Cosgrove down. But if people, No, I'm kidding. I'm on Twitter, at Irish Cosgrove. We have the Crafty Rogues, our podcast, which we predominantly talk about soccer, hooligans. There probably won't be a lot to talk about in the next couple of weeks, but thankfully me and my co-host, the Australian, will, we love whiskey, so we'll talk about that. We love good pints, where to get good pints where to get good Cornish pasties, where to get good fish and chips. We'll probably bring that up. Sean, can I ask you a question? Sure. Is this the second or third time the Cosgrove's been on our podcast? Second. Interesting. We haven't been, I, I, you haven't been on his yet. I don't remember the invite to be <laughs> on his really podcast. That's really crazy, isn't it, huh. that you didn't get a... Weird. That's really odd. Interesting. Well, what, what are you doing next Wednesday night at 7 o'clock at Brit's Pub? Brit's Out Pub. 
Yeah, well, you can think about it. Uh, you're welcome. Let me, then, let me chew on that. So <laughs> it's it's called it, so the podcast. You, people can go to all the big places. Yes, your yes. Apple. Your we don't play music, unfortunately. Otherwise, we'd be on Spotify all the time. Because yeah, yeah. I would play tunes like. Thankfully, and appreciate you giving me that platform to be able to play those tunes because it it stirs up, and then the storytelling bubbles up, and then the well, whiskey. It's here, fantastic. Here's what's fun is that you know, like we, you, I, my life used to be four songs, two minutes of talk, four songs, two minutes of talk. Now it's literally the opposite, and it's it's more fun to explore the space. That's the whole point. Someone asked me earlier today when I stopped to get dinner, "What is the point of your podcast?" And I was like, "Stories," because there are so many fantastic people in this community that populate it that inform it that grow it that all of it and to me this is the fun part so of course it's always going to have a music element to it before we wrap things up mr cosgrove you obviously are a music fan you're obviously a drunken mick um <laughs> you and you're a gobshite i yeah. that the number one does irish shit, swear word does that mean yeah. a shit mouth well, yes pretty much okay like you talk a lot of shite well for sure i do you did, you, did you did you just meet me? Did oh, you just no. meet me? But you know that I adore you greatly. It is St. Patrick's Day. Is there anything, given how wildly cartoonish Americans' interpretation of St. Patrick's Day is versus what you grew up with traditionally, even though now we've managed to pollute that as well, is there anything that you think is valuable about St. Patrick's Day in America in 2020? Yes, uh, the culture, obviously. And this is why what's wonderful about Dairy Girls, because they're able to project the culture in a way that stands true to the culture itself, but also in an entertaining way. And I feel like that is the 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 beauty of Irish culture at its best, when you're able to talk about and enjoy the culture in an entertaining way, but there's a little bit of depth to it. Is is So tell me this. Like, So I've watched Dairy Girls, and without the subtitles on, it can be very hard to understand. <laughs> I'm not joking. The, the, the accent can be fairly thick. This is Northern Ireland we're talking yes, about, yeah? Yes. And so Dairy Girls, What uh, the first time I watched it, I was like, oh, my God, this is... Dawson's Creek, if Dawson's Creek had any heart or any realism, but it's better than that, isn't it? Like, dare, does, dairy girl, so does Dairy Girls stir your heart? Does it, it feel does. like something I real? I love it. Yeah. Absolutely love it, and I'm excited. I uh, just got announced on Irish TV this week that they're making the third and final series. One of my favorite Irish comedians, Tommy Tiernan, who himself has a great show, and I'd encourage anyone mm-hmm. to go on YouTube and look at his chat show, where he doesn't know who the guest is, so he does no prep. He had Bob Geldof on last week, and what? that is epic viewing. Epic viewing. And so for the people who don't know Bob Geldof, I mean, obviously, I'm trying to try to find the most basic touchstone I can. <laughs> Clearly the front man for Boomtown Rats. He was pink, if you will, in Pink Floyd, The Wall, the movie. <laughs> and I know that's silly to you to hear that, but for Americans, they probably know that better than they know Live Aid wow. or wow. Boomtown yeah. Rat. Look, I grew, my dad rented, there used to be a time back in the late 70s and early 80s you could rent albums from the local oh, yeah. library. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember yeah. that. And I, my, my yeah. dad brought home the fine art of surfacing. I just posted on Facebook the other day, wind chill factor minus zero. Would, last time it was really cold, buy them. But for most Americans, even if they are old enough to remember Live Aid, they remember the bands who played there. They remember Mo- Queen, they remember U2, most they remember here Phil don't, Collins. don't have the fucking slightest idea yeah. who the hell Bob Geldof is. Sir Bob Geldof, by the way. Absolutely. If we're going to use his proper yes. labeling. Um, and so, but, but again, one of the most interesting and invested characters on planet Earth in the rock community. So that must, what's the name of the show? It's called the Tommy Tiernan Show. I'll send you the link and you can share it with your How friends. How do you spell well. Tiernan? 
Tiernan is T-I-E-R-A-N. <laughs> and the thing about Tommy Tiernan is... Wait a minute, did he say that in Welsh? I didn't understand a <laughs> goddamn word Tommy he said. Tommy Tiernan is a, is a wonderful uh, comedian, but he found that outside of Ireland and sort of the British Isles, no one was getting his humor, so he said, no, I'm not going to be traveling to New York and California. I'm just going to go around and go over to Galway tonight. I can take the car home. And then tomorrow night, I'm going to be up in Derry. So he's very parochial, but he's created this show, and my mother's like, I don't like that Tommy Tiernan. He makes, he says too many swear words, and then he comes <laughs> up with this show, this idea, because he loves that, that risky energy, which I, of course, can relate to coming on shows like this, uh-huh. where I have no idea that you're going to play what you played. And... <laughs> And so he has guests like Adam Clayton. He has guests like Sinead O'Connor. But he has also guests that he doesn't even know who they are. So he has to spend his time talking to them to figure out who they are and what makes them tick. And it is wonderful. In a world where everything is polished and painted and glossed to make you enjoy it or, or fulfill it for you, this is totally unpolished, totally unsanded. It's awkward sometimes. There's awkward silences. It is epic viewing. Are you sure that you didn't just describe the Brian Oak show? I think I did. Because I know who's coming in, but I'll be honest, because I've known you for so long, I did fuck all for press. I'm going to be honest. Just, because I know I don't have to, because you're fun to talk to. But I also, like, not to rip someone else's idea, but Sean, as we look ahead towards the spring and summer... Maybe a month where I don't know who's coming in. Yes, and I think that I would be roll. wonderful. I think that that's a great fun. idea. I think I'm... You know, at least competent enough to, like, get to know somebody. But, like, I mean, they should at least speak English. What do you say? I like it. I think we should go for it. All right. Uh, happy St. Patrick's Day, Mr. Cosgrove. Bonnachtine, a Pawig ditch to all of you. I feel like he just told us to go fuck ourselves. Yeah. 
Chamber. 